So guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. It's MC for the MC Anime Podcast. We're back with Leah. How you doing today? You know, living life. Um, I'm down here in Florida. There's a hurricane. Um, And this has been... uh, I'm pretty chill because I'm used to them. But everyone who I know that's moved here is having an absolute mental breakdown. The amount of like, are you alive? That I have died <laughs> like the last two days, oh. even though nothing has happened. But it's been, it's rained last night. That that's been it so far. So you know, some branches are like on the ground, but it's nothing crazy. But yes, I've had people um, absolutely in a panic. It's great. It's wonderful. You know, it's nice. To, it's, it's nice to feel like the normal one for once when you're oh, um, yes. a Floridian. But everyone else is having like uh stage four breakdowns um regarding the storm and then uh yeah i uh i bought some energy drinks and that's about it so i play video games while the storm rages on so yeah so good can't do nothing about mother nature so here we be oh yeah uh doing pretty well you know, still excited about my rabbit hole discussion and taking different topics and doing a totally different topic, but I think overall I'm peachy and I'm ready for today's episode. Nice. Okay. Peachy is a do one. Guys, do not forget to find us on podcasts near you, Apple, Google, etc. Also, Watch more content on the www.mcmapodcast.com and join us on Patreon to support our channel and give original ideas and poll ideas. But further ado, this episode is Titanic Movie Review. We're going to review the Titanic and the implications of the movie and, you know, a little bit about the real event that was based on mm-hmm. I mean this is um, a pretty famous movie uh, almost everyone I know has actually seen it so if you guys haven't seen or heard of the Titanic um, it's uh, it's a famous movie starring what Leonardo DiCaprio and oh oh no who's the other actress yeah who's the other actress? Uh, Oh, uh, Kate Winslet. Um, So basically, it came out in 1997. Um, It is a romantic drama um, between a poor um, stowaway, essentially, Leonardo DiCaprio's character named Jack, and a rich, like almost heiress named Rose, who she is engaged to someone else when they meet and basically he teaches her how to have fun and break free of her societal shackles and she shows him um how to think in different ways and see the world in different ways than maybe just the kind of pessimistic view that he can have um from having to struggle through life and um all of this takes place during the voyage of the famous titanic which was the the unsinkable ship that did end up sinking 
um, back in 1912. It was literally on its first voyage. Hit an iceberg um, because I guess it wasn't understood that icebergs, the, the tip of the iceberg that sticks out is the smallest piece. And there's a huge block of ice underneath the water. So yeah, so the story takes place throughout that whole voyage and ends after um, the ship goes down. Oh yeah. And one perspective I like about Titanic was the actual introduction is not actually the full movie yet. It's actually them going on the Titanic wreckage in the ocean and Rose mm-hmm. running the salvage team. There's a story that they need to hear and Rose, I think, is telling the story from her perspective. She's the, like one of the few survivors and Rose is actually the main character of the movie so it's like a kind of like a flashback scene and I think I believe the actor who's Rose in the original incarnation is the original survivor am I mistaken? I don't I think she was I think she was a survivor of it I'm not sure but there were times I can find out though True, you look that up. I'm not, you know, I'm not big trivia, but I do know that's kind of where it started. So let's just stop from there. So the Savage team comes in. They're trying to find the wreckage of the Titanic, and they're actually finding, I believe, a. They're going in to find the treasure. Or the, the Dalian, and they find it and they unravel it. It's the same initials Rose, and she's trying to speak to them. So, at the same moment, they realize they want to speak with her. She's speaking, she's trying to contact them. So, I think that's kind of cool how that started. And you hear like a wow. introductory scene into the flashback of the Titanic and how it happened. I can't. Oh, I don't know. I, in my in my brain, I thought it started with yes, um, Rose, old Rose. She's like this older woman. Um, it's like what what's her line? It's like it's been seventy six years. But anyway, um, she. I remember it being essentially that uh, the it was. I thought it was her granddaughter. Who was a part it of the team? Yeah, I thought it was her granddaughter who was a part of the team yeah. to go and recover yeah. the stone um, because that's the whole point. They're going out there. They found the wreckage for the Titanic, and they're going to look for this um, this family jewel that Rose had lost um, during the now. wreckage. I remember now. They found the jewel, and they had nothing. They had no clue what it's about. But somehow they're getting a call from the pus- from the family member talking about that jewel that they're so complex about why it's there and how it got there. So all of a sudden this person is now has invested interest, but now they want to know the story behind it. That's how we get into it. Um, no, I just looked it up. So the actual <laughs> the story starts is um 
there's a guy called Brock Lovett who him, him and his team are they go and they find they search for the wreck of the Titanic they found the safe that was supposed to hold the necklace um, that was called the heart of the ocean because it's this big blue diamond um, or jewel but instead of finding that in the safe they just found a, a drawing of a young woman um, and it was a rose Hewitt um, and so they actually end up finding her bringing her on board I'm sorry, uh, Rose Calvert, um, and bringing her on board, and then she starts retelling the story. So I, I explicitly remember her being on board. I thought it was a submarine or ship. Yeah, I thought it was Rose that survived and had the necklace because that's the only make that's the only explanation why that wasn't in the safe because she survived. Is the yes, same so woman? She had the- she had it. Um, yeah, they were looking for it, and then they reached out to her and brought her on board. Um, and then she starts retelling the story of the Titanic. Yeah. So I was yeah. originally like, I'd be all confused for nothing. <laughs> yeah, so she's, she comes on board, she tells this story, um, and the movie is basically one long flashback. Um, so basically, like, you know, four episodes of Dragon Ball Z or something. So it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, she, she retells the story of you know, basically her boarding the ship and all these adventures happening and then the ship going down, her lost love, and then we're brought back to the present. There we are. Yeah. I think it it creates like like the ongoing conflict of what happened and how she survived, but also the enjoying joy of them being on the ship and having like a different telltale sign of you know Titanic being a historic event yeah I mean um I think it's one of those those stories where there are so many like for instance I enjoy true crime but there is a high abundance of true crime movies and shows and podcasts and all that but back in the you know, early 90s, this wasn't even something like true crime. It was just a tragic historical event that happened about 70, 80 years um, prior to. So people had heard about it and we like we learned about it in school. But getting to see, see the movie kind of play out um, as if you're also a passenger on board. Uh, really captivated people. And it also was it was a very romantic story. I mean, now we yeah. make a lot of jokes and memes about it, but back then it was a very romantic and beautiful story and very heartbreaking. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I think anyone can watch the Titanic. I think everyone at this point yeah. might have seen it, and if you haven't, you at least know the main. Yeah, and I also think the original director intended to be a romantic type movie, James Cameron, but also wanting to tell the story of the Titanic in a different lens. That was his approach. So the romantic type storyline with a little bit of comedy paid along of that retelling lens of the Titanic story in a way that was, you know, appealing to other people in a different way. Well, I think he did it smartly because the thing that gets the Titanic such rave reviews and why it's so popular is because 
as you're watching it, and because it's a romance movie, you already know what's supposed to happen. You already know how things are going to go and what the outcome is supposed to be. But then um, as you're watching, you do get caught up in their love. There's, there's dancing, they're singing, they're hiding from the fiance and rebelling against you know your social status. So you're watching all this play out and in your head, you're as you're watching, you're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm rooting for them, I'm rooting for them. And you kind of almost forget that the movie is going to end um, with the ship sinking. Like, you know that's coming up and it's always kind of a fear that's there. And I think that is a great way to tell a story where you already know the ending, um, but you're seeing everything that happened prior to. That's kind of why also like movies like um, Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction uh, captivated people because it's a story that's not told in the same sequence as a normal story, like first, like um, beginning, middle, end. It's chopped up and rearranged. So you know things that, about certain characters that happen and then you see it and then the next scene, they're doing something else and you're like, mm, hold on, how did we get here? And you kind of, you're watching that. So it's the same with the Titanic. You know that the ship's gonna sink. You know that a lot of people are going to die but you're meeting all of these characters and engaging with them and watching these people fall in love, knowing a giant tragedy is about to come up, but you just you get lost just for a little bit. And I've also it plays into the, the trope love and tragedy type of thing as well, because mm-hmm. you know, two star cost lovers, they try to be with each other and they can't be with each other. A big obstacle gets in the way and that big obstacle is the sinking of the Titanic. You know, it kind of plays that that attribute and archetype of, you know, two destined lovers not meant to be, but here they are, play out. What's going to happen? Is this one going to die, or is this one going not going to be able to come back to life? You know, that type of rendition in the theatrical playing of the actual movie gives the audience a more active feeling and I guess stakes to watch the film. And tragedy is just a great story to tell, especially in a historical tragedy of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. It's sinking it's tragedy. People dying yeah. gives the suspense. You already created the suspense towards the end so now you're just building up the suspense before the suspense actually happens and you know the sinking of the Titanic is a graveyard so there is room for I guess concern for the respect of the people who perished so you see that in the beginning expedition you know, taking additional avenues to protect the sinking graveyard. Well, they weren't really going to protect it. They were going to scavenge. I know, it. I they, know. Were, they were. But they were pirates, also, but... you know, yeah. They were trying to, cons- you know, concern that this is a graveyard. So just be careful. They were also like concerned a little bit like that too. Which um, is fair, I think. But I, I mean, also. It is kind of funny. It's like they they were concerned, but they were also there to scavenge. And like they're like, well, they don't need it anymore. 
gotta get that heart of the sea. So it that part I like the I would say the very beginning and the very end um aren't aren't necessarily like the main bulk of what a lot of people talk about in regards to the Titanic because it's more of modern day. And I think the great way to look at it is um those beginning scenes and those ending scenes of the movie are kind of like where the audience was at that time we're looking at it you know we weren't alive during that time we we weren't impacted by it and a lot of people probably didn't don't have family or knew anyone who talked about it so it's been 80 something years and you find someone who was um and you get to you get to feel the intimacy of having lived through something that traumatic through Rose but at first you really are just you know somebody who's like man that's really sad I can't believe that happened in the past um anyway let's see if we can find something cool um in this scavenger hunt but by the end you're like this you know really isn't worth it which does end up happening um uh Brock Lovett whose team is out there he he basically uh calls off the search for the heart of the sea because Rose claims you know didn't have it he doesn't know where it is lost their wreckage whatever um and they they call off the search so after hearing it and being there close so close to someone who was impacted to it it actually changes your perspective and i think that's how that change of heart is what the audience is supposed to feel as well so the the showing of modern day folks talk and in the flashback I think it was supposed to have that parallel effect. So yeah, you go in being kind of like morbidly curious about the sinking of the Titanic, but then you watch real, like these people live their lives and they're living their lives without knowing this tragedy is going to happen. And it's that bittersweet aspect to it that's really intoxicating. And even though it's very sad and it's very tragic and it's gut-wrenching, you can't stop watching the film because you want to fall in love with these people again and again knowing that it's only for a short period of time and to submit you know the legacy that titanic brings into the movie industry you have like 10 or 11 uh, academy awards best original original score best picture best director you know visual effects costume sound film sound editing actress supporting actress makeup and hairstyling it just goes on to show how much of an impact the movie had that particular year in being a big like you know block i don't know what i I wouldn't say blockbuster because it doesn't give like a blockbuster feel but it just really cemented in how well the movie does it huh? is absolutely a blockbuster film. It's one of the top grossing films of like all time. But it wasn't when they were doing it, they weren't necessarily thinking it'll be become a blockbuster. It became but it a blockbuster. Well yes, but it wasn't hyped to be a blockbuster. The original do well, really good storytelling. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying at this oh, point in time, it's, it's, it's definitely categorized as a blockbuster at this point in time. Well, yeah. I think when it was first released, but there were also a lot of other great movies being released at that time. Um, like, but <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely a blockbuster. 
yeah absolutely one um because it it was i don't know just an absolute amazing film granted 1997 had a bunch of like killer films they, they had lolita perfect blue cinderella came out um batman and robin the one with uh <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger in it um <laughs> But I forgot what it was. It was, there was one movie that did come out in 1997 around the same time as as uh, the Titanic. But because the Titanic wasn't kind of viewed to be the a blockbuster movie in that sense, um, whatever movie it was got completely kind of like swept away. It just it eventually, it, it essentially got released just at the wrong time. Um, people went to the movies to go see Titanic, just kind of interesting curiosity. Because also Leonardo DiCaprio was really popular. Yeah. This was the start of his career, um, in the beginning of his career. So, uh, yeah, people went to go see it, and then they were like, oh, oh, hold on, forget everything else. Yeah. Y'all went and cried. Young Leo Capri- the- Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, Billy Zane also. Like young Billy Zane, he was the fiance in the movie, and he has first off, he has a villain look. He he basically looks like like to me like white Jafar from Aladdin. So I'm just like this man looks like he looks like a villain. I don't trust him. You know, I'm not gonna leave my dog around this man. Like he he looks like he kicks puppies and he will. He will like screw you over. So he had the perfect, handsome, rich, like uncaring, unflinching husband look. Um, and he was perfectly cast for it. You got young Leo who had the heartthrob look. Kate Winslet's always been gorgeous. Kathy Bates in it. Bill Paxton. They had a great cast, and everyone delivered. Oh, and Victor Garber. I forgot he was in there. Yeah, they had a killer cast. So like. Yeah. You go and you see it, and then you realize that um, not only is it well acted, well filmed, the costumes were great, the makeup was great, but also the storytelling. And it's I, to me, it's a ten out of ten. Um, it's only recently when we start applying like modern day logic to some things, um, like you know, what was it uh, Mythbusters when they did the <laughs> could could Jack have sat like uh, got on the door as well? Could he have sat on the door? Um, and they decided to test if the door would have been heavy enough in those conditions to hold the both of them, and it was proven that it could be. People were like, she just yeah. let him die. Just let that boy die. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, well, okay. Script writing and actually testing that myth can be a little bit more, like, up to the imagination of the director, because mm-hmm. a lot of times director's theories... And you know their continuity can make sense in some practicality, but most of the time, it's just a way to tell the story and tell a in a convincing way. Most of the time, so just the fact that a I think it was just more dramatic well-betrayed event to be proven true. You know, just makes it more have more merit when it actually when the event in the movie was occurring in that particular scene. You know, it just no, no, you know, it's a little. Harder. The yeah, we were right, but like at the 
the same time, Titanic. I think the story of the Aristocrat trying to find what they belong and just the freedom to travel kind of resonate with me more mm-hmm. because most people on the Titanic were various backgrounds, one of the working class, rich class, but all were like a diversity of characters trying to make a voyage across the Atlantic that could afford it at the time. You, know, you also have the stowaway, you also had the crew members, the surviving ship, uh, when, you know, there was like two ships of Titanic, the main Titanic sunk, and most of the actual uh, luggage was loaned on another ship. So most of that luggage actually has lots of immensive value because it was supposed to be on a Titanic, but it was on another ship. No, no, um, absolutely, absolutely true. But I think when you when you talk about it, um, <laughs> it was there. What's her name? Um, Violet Jessop, who was uh, mm-hmm. she is um, called the Queen of Sinking Ships or Miss Unsinkable. She was a Argentinian nurse um, who she survived the sinking of the Titanic. But there was also a sister ship of the Titanic called the HMHS Britannica Britannic. Um, that also sunk in 1916, so like four years after. Um, and then she also was on the oldest of the elder ships, but there was three of them. There was the Titanic, the Britannic, and the Olympic. Um, all three of them sunk. Um, and she was on all three of them. So, and she didn't die. Oh, not once. I remember that story. <laughs> Great thugging it out. Living, live, live till 83 just like getting on ships like I'm sorry but if she got on if I saw her get on the last ship I would have been like absolutely not get off get off Violet you're a terrible nurse you are not holding up (laughs) do no harm code you are killing everybody let's make a movie about that let's make a movie about the curse of Violet of Violet Jessop like just absolute pandemonium so, okay, that, that that does bring into a uh, fan theory. A controversy. So the controversy is now this: Do you think she knew ahead of time that the ships were ill-equipped, so she took precautions herself to be safe where other people didn't know? I'm going to have to say no. Um, because this is a time when the only way to get to and from other places that were separated by water was by boat. Or yeah. even if you're trying to travel um, along a river, you got to do it by ferry. So they, they had, you know, those kind of wind up motorized cars, I think at the time. Um, airplanes weren't really made for for like group passengers. I think they were more made so for pilots and stuff. Um, and individual yeah. riders, and then you had boats to haul large groups of people. So I don't think that she necessarily went on every ship with like a blow up inflatable like duck or something that she knew like this ship's going down. I I don't think she did that. 
I'm sure she's been on a lot of voyages um, outside yeah. of those three. She just happened to be on the sinking of all three um, sister ships. <laughs> back to back. So, and I'm, I'm sure probably after the, like, after the Titanic, because the last one to sink was uh, the Britannic. So she she was on the Olympic in um, 1911 that crashed, got jacked up. Then the Titanic sunk in 1912, and then she gets back on another ship four years later. I'm sure by 1916, um, she was a great swimmer. Or she well, was totally my... okay with pushing people out the way. Well, the Titanic sucks because of the ice boom. So what did the other things of the Olympic and Britannic formed? Because I remember Britannic, I forgot about the Olympic. Uh but those are the type of class ships that the Titanic was based on. Like, um, causes natural or was malfunction in the ship? Uh, basically, there was an explosion that happened um, by a naval wow. uh, naval mine from the um, Imperial German Navy that was near an island, and because she, I guess, got rocked and tipped or whatever, uh, or you know there was something that got blown in the ship uh it sank in less than an hour um luckily this one though uh rather than losing most of its uh passengers and crew it only only 30 people lost their lives which is still sad but it wasn't it wasn't the um insanity that the titanic had also the, the titanic wasn't deemed to have um to be, it was a, the unsinkable ship was the name of it, and it had like twenty two hundred passengers on it, and like fifteen hundred of them died. Yeah. So that's more than half your ship going down, or almost half of your ship. So yeah. Well, the yeah. movie also shows uh, really good scenes of how the actual Titanic in real life was ill-equipped with large evacuation of people off the ship. Uh, you see it, you know, throughout the movie of this went wrong, this went wrong. They didn't have enough lifeboats. You actually see it play out in the actual movie. So historical event, you know, like to some degree is being played out and you see it firsthand. Well, yeah, I think this is more just a re a repeated pattern of human error um, when it comes to to um, the tragedy of the Titanic, which is also that shows in in the movie the human error that's there. It's the it's um, the ego that exists uh, from the the rich aristocrats, where regardless of mm -hmm. if they were men, women, or children, they just felt like they should get the votes first. It was the yeah. ill-timed planning of the fact that the there were so many people in the lower decks of the ship who weren't just workers, but were just poor people. Like there were there were so many people who barely had enough to get a ticket for the Titanic and really weren't on the upper levels. They weren't running across the ship deck and all that. They were, you know, in the hall of the ship, the middle of the bulk of the ship that's underwater. Um that were able to get a ticket to go on this once-in-a-lifetime voyage, for them at least, while, you know, the people at the top who have the most money and have the mm -hmm. most, like, luxuries, uh, they probably could take this trip as many times as they wanted to because they have the money to do so. So when the ship was hit, 
and there was debris from the iceberg scraping across the lining of the boat and the water began filling up the bottom part they ha- they basically the reason why also a lot of people died is because they had to close oh, those lower really? levels yeah to keep the ship from sinking faster so a lot of people who were just essentially just too poor to be considered valuable um enough to be like in a safer position on the ship and also the ship I think was also kind of overpacked um they just closed yeah. the door so that that it's like it was so many things that were stacked on top of each other not just the boat not just seamen oh, also uh, not knowing that a tie, like a iceberg is not oh, just yeah. the very tip um knowing that the iceberg will go down, not knowing that the iceberg will go down that south in the I think what Greenland New, New York area New England um yeah because they were coming from what was it they were coming from uh Southampton UK and going to New York City so it was literally going from the UK to New York um and of course you know there's ice caps and stuff out there more so than there are now but you oh. but they were they were sailing at night when they hit it and it was just so much bad thing like not having enough lifeboats because you were confident that your ship isn't going to sink and also just so you could have more more room or less weight on the ship so you could add more people and make this more of a spectacle led to so many people dying unnecessarily and a lot of them didn't just die because they went down like they were in the ship like what people also don't know is a fun fact that um basically a vortex is kind of created when a heavy object is pulled yeah. into the water. So like when you do a oh. cannonball um, and you jump in and you go down, it basically creates like a funnel from where yeah. you are the base and it goes up so water is pulled down with you. The same thing yeah. with the Titanic, when it went down, even the people who were able to jump off the ship um, weren't hit by big pieces of metal or whatever. They still got pulled under because the ship was sinking in and it was taking yeah. up a mass of space. So a lot of people didn't drown from being pulled into the sinking of the vortex. Like that that's even more oh, yeah. terrifying. Oh yeah, like, because yeah. the Titanic, I believe, were to be such a large mass that it's sinking, you know, because usually when you have ships, they have propellers to push the mass throughout the water. It's sinking into the water all at once caused the surrounding water to be like a torrent. So that torrent effect kind of made the everything, everyone else in the surrounding area to, to feel the effects. It's just like water in a rapid scenario. You know, yeah. when you have lots of rocks, the water will beat down the rocks and cause many surges of force to go you know in the narrow passages it's the same concept it's just now this is in the like near the ocean and going it's you know sinking at a rapid rate because the water was filling in really fast when it, it hit the iceberg yeah they were going extremely fast but also they were just again it, it, there is a high confidence that exists within yeah. the hill and I think that's also something that, like, even now, so, like, there's a hurricane happening now. Um, and, you know, like, it's ramping up and stuff. So, 
when these big forces of nature and these big like cataclysmic things that what can you do as a singular human or as a group of humans um against something that is naturally forming and you're not gonna just punch your way through it you can't bomb your way through it like it's it's coming and you just kind of ride you gotta ride it out um that's what it feels like when you watch the film you get so kind of caught up in the the human romance and the beauty of it all that you kind of forget that these people are essentially on a tugboat in the ocean <laughs> like oh, yeah. there's so much risk that it just is implied there and it's because you have the safety of like the ship's completely safe you and you go into the lower decks um with jack he takes rose down there she gets to see what it's like to be with the common man and dance and and sing and spin around and you know eat different foods and it's supposed to be a really great fun time um in completely you know a parallel to what you have on the upper deck where jack has to wear now a suit so he he isn't seen as you know poor and people don't know that he isn't of their class um and they have to they like basically do the song and dance themselves unless they're alone and on one-on-one time. Um, and having all of that like happening when you know that there's this giant, huge piece of ice that's sitting out in the ocean, just waiting. It's it's beautiful, but it's also daunting and very kind of, it's this, it's this horrible thing that hangs overhead that you really can't do anything about. Like we can't change the, yeah. like, the story of the movie and they're not going to change the ending of the movie just so people feel good. And I, I like, I love that. I love that they didn't even try to be like, everybody lives. They said, nah. We're and, the, you know, when Titanic was built in 1912, you know, it was not one of the largest passenger ships in the world, but it was like, at that point, one of the largest ships ever built. So the capacity of the Titanic seeking also had a big impact in the world of shipbuilding and largest ship at the time. The unsinkable is sinkable. What does this mean for other ships of its similar nature? Does it mean we're safe? Do we have to build more? All those, you know, type of questions were answered when the Titanic sunk. And it took a long time to find exactly where it sunk as well. Because it was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, just again, yeah, had a wide mileage span to look for, based on what navigation reports of where it proceeded destination was. So you had to look in that surrounding area, and you know the people and the wreckage were also factors to take a note of the buoyancy and mileage and how far it went. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that what's important as well to keep in mind is like, so when you're watching in the movie, they, they do it differently. In the movie, mm-hmm. when you see these lifeboats going down, um, which, you know, it's after the sinking and everything, um, you get to see this beautiful love story and now you're seeing the panic as people need to be saved. Um, the sadness that happens is that essentially um, women or children are supposed to be uh, supported at first but it's also women of children who are of like the higher standing class the upper mm-hmm. like, who's ever left I guess get on, get on a boat um, so you, you see the rich fiance basically punch his way onto a boat 
he don't care nothing at all. He's like, men, women, and like men stay behind. Absolutely not. So he gets on a boat. Um, and when you see the sink go down, you see that very sad scene where everybody's had to steal these boats in the water. They're shivering, they're freezing, because again, this is in the middle of the night. These people aren't wearing like, you know, jackets and fully dressed to be mm-hmm. in the Atlantic Ocean. They're freezing, they're shivering, they've either fallen into the water or they're sitting near an iceberg or pieces of ice. Yeah. Um, but these ships, the, these boats are all full when you look at it. Oh, yeah. Or they look like they're full. But in actuality, yeah. for the actual thinking, there were only 20 um, lifeboats um, yep. on the actual ship, uh, which like four of them were, I guess, collapsible ones, but the in total there were 20. And they and in total they were supposed to be able to hold like 1,100, um, 1,200 people. So that wasn't even all of the people on board. So there still would have been at least half the people on board dying um, or not yeah. being able to get on. Um, but the issue was they... They didn't even fill the boats up to full capacity because they were such a panic. So most of the boats were uh, half full. So more people could have lived, more people could have survived, but because there was such a large panic, again, that beauty and like the fun and energy that you get from young love and discovering who you are, all of that's kind of stripped away to base human instinct where it's like survival. Um, getting getting out of this situation and ultimately um, like non-logical thinking which is the same thing that caused the ship to stick to begin with uh, it's What's just true? bad planning um, panic and you kind of go back to that tribal mindset where you're just like I want to live that's it that's nothing else so I'm sure there were plenty of people who were like don't forget filling up the boat and more people stop looking for people to put on drop it put us in the water, get us away from the ship. And so more people actually ended up dying than I think needed to actually like ever be in that situation to begin with because that planning, human confidence, it's it's really sad. And that's what makes it, I think, even more tragic when you look at how the actual story, like I think the movie made it nicer. They yeah. at least gave us music as the ship went down. Well, also with the illogical thinking of human brains when you go into what desperation uh, self-preservation you think a lot differently when your life is in danger you don't do the rational thinking that you're going to normally do so when you panic you actually get in a state of of alertness where your only concern is to get out of it so you go you're your morals are not really in the high ground. Your thinking is like radicalized. You're just yeah. in the moment trying to get through it and trying to survive, trying not to get into the situation of people around you. Uh, that type of mentality is like similar to a war, a war, you know, a fear of war kind of thing as well. So, you know, you are doing everything you can to get out of the situation, but, you know, those things around you limiting you and obstacles along the way, so it really tests how you can be 
you know, being in the place at the right time also has a factor, but also getting through it and getting to a point, you know, when you're on a lifeboat, when you, you know, when you have to jump overboard and take well, your chance at it. Yeah, I think the main difference, though, is that when you watch the movie and we've gone through this whole transformation process, right? Watching, mm-hmm. you know, Rose not look down on people who are poor and also not be so, you know, self-consumed in her own, like, woe mm-hmm. is me, I have to marry this guy. Which, of course, you know, an arranged marriage when you want to live your life and you're this truly adventurous soul, yes. But it's a bit more tragic when you realize that you know, here's Jack, someone who had to stow away himself because I remember, I think what he he was like running from people anyway because he either stole something or didn't do something or whatever. He stowed away on the Titanic to get out of a bad situation that he had found himself in in the UK. He gets on this boat. Wasn't there people on board that knew him previously or something like that as well? Yeah, well, he had friends and stuff that were on there, but they I don't think they were stowaways. Um, I think they were working on the ship, but he was a stowaway because he was running from people. He Like, in the movie, yeah. when the movie starts, he, he finds a way to sneak on the ship to get away from people yeah. who are chasing him. Um, and so when you think about the fact that he basically ran away from a terrible situation to be in an even worse situation by the end of it all, yeah. yes, he got to fall in love. Yes, he got to have this moment of, like, happiness and got to see what it was like to kind of be an aristocrat at the end of the day he was constantly battling societal um prejudice and and yeah and and dealing with rose and teaching her and all that so for him to die in a way where when when you go back to natural instincts people's prejudice and the way people view others um their true inner selves that comes out as well um, when they are they're justifying their actions, which is what we saw. We after you get this whole like reteaching of we're all just people trying to survive in the world. Let's all be great, be adventurous, live life to the fullest. Bam, iceberg, and then everyone goes back to their base setting, where they're like, forget this. You're poor. I'm getting on the boat. Women and children, forget that. I'm a man. I don't care. I want to live. It's stuff like that. So I think that was the saddest part was after you get to ride the highest high of watching two people fall in love and kind of find their person, at least for that period of their life, to ultimately getting not only ripped apart, but just like the basic thinkings of man kicking right back in because people want to live. So everybody else, nobody else on that shift was out there like learning new life lessons. We forget that we're just watching two people out of what, almost 2500 so oh, yeah it, yeah so by the time we get kicked back into reality i think that's what made a lot of people like oh <laughs> like it hurts because you remember that there's still like mm-hmm. a, a whole 2000 and odd number of people who aren't having these life-changing revelations who aren't trying to be the best that they can be they're only being themselves and sometimes someone's natural self is is terrible or isn't great and isn't for the greater good. So, yeah. Well, you, well, also, you know, you have Romeo and Juliet, you know, the Montagues and Capulets. The director kind of dramatizes the hostility between the rich and the poor. 
you know, Rose feels so suffocated by the expectations of a wealthy family, friends that she nearly kills herself in the film's first act. You know, he's portraying the upper class. Yeah, overly normal, you know, a male. We also, arrogance dooms the ship. We have Carl Hockey's abusive behavior, shocks Rose. Rose's mother Ruth shamelessly uses her mother, her daughter as a pawn. You know, new money retains her moral center. You know, the penniless artist Jack, on the other hand, various experiences over possessions encourage Rose to do the same. We show how the third class passengers caged below the deck perish at greater rates than the first class passengers who bribe and call their way into the lifeboats. So we really see that, like, Layer by, by layer, how the movie depicts class and how class is a factor throughout the movie, even in the situation with the lifeboats through the beginning of the ship, when the people were like cast away into the ship's lower portions and just sit there to be. You know, less able to pay for the luxury of the ship and the fine dining above. Absolutely, but I mean, I also feel that that that's a consistent factor that's shown throughout the whole movie. Um, and I think a ship is also one of the perfect ways to do so. Um, it's a very self-contained setting, so we're not we're not going to different parts of a city. Or yeah. different parts of the world, where sometimes that that theme can be used um, and portrayed in that way. We're on a ship where it's literally showing you a caste system. It's showing you level by level the worth of human mm-hmm. life. Um, and, ha- and it's literally like oh. there is there was no trickle down of of like benefits and uh, like economics and great feelings because like the again the rich weren't interested and sharing their wealth or comforts or even safety with people who were poor. They did they had no interest. And that was really also left up to the discretion of the crew. Because the mm-hmm. crew were also the in charge of like putting people on on these boats. So the idea that like bribes were even a thing to even be considered when the ship is going down. One, people not abandoning their posts to live. Um, some, you know, the closer the ship is getting to being completely sunk, of course they're going to start abandoning their posts. But more importantly, the people in the very beginning still taking bribes as the ship is sinking is such an insane idea, um, at least to me and I think to a lot of people, but it's, it's also very commonplace. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, there's a tragedy happening. They're like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take 20 bucks. I'm like, buddy, you're not even on the boat. Do y'all have a boat? like crew like it's like nope we're just doing this for uh, that extra 20 a nice tip a nice gratuity and that's the worth of a human life that's completely in their eyes and it's it's, yeah. it's completely insane oh yeah don't forget you have the power and study as well the ship is very powerful gigantic you know the, the fantasies of the male characters being powerful we project their own feelings onto the ship, regarding as majestic and unsinkable. You know, Cal, who's the character, cannot sink this ship. Rose Skulls is made for fisting. So on the ship's sheer enormity, 
We, we have even Jack when he climbs the railing of the ship and yes, I'm the king of the world. The ship's later takes the power for granted to the extent that he misses critical warnings and speed up the attract favorable press. You know, the first class passengers to retain their power. Even under dire circumstances, it's also a clear display. The sink of the ship only shadows all of fantasies of power, showing man to be powerless in the face of, you know, unpredictability and tragic as it may be. It was insane. I think also a scene that that um, does play into that of the like yes, men being powerless, but also this weird feeling of uh, nobility that was shown was with the captain deciding to stay behind, and he's like, the captain always goes down with his ship. And I'm like, yeah, that's very noble. <laughs> that's very great. Um. But maybe we should have you answer for how we got here. You know, you're the person in charge. Um, maybe there should have been more training for your crew. It just felt like as you're watching all of these people basically turn into like scared animals to survive for an era that was put on the place of like, regardless of how much money was on the ship and how many people of lower class were on the ship, how many crew, whatever. The main responsibility for the sinking of the Titanic will always be on the captain and the people who were in charge of maintaining the ship's safety. Like, we can say that the rich people on there were crappy and terrible for the way that they acted throughout the whole film and, and probably and also in real life, especially towards the end. But at the end of the day, the, the main people in charge were the people who were controlling the, the ship. The yeah. entire vessel ma- being maintained, like not even the people who were in the lower decks keeping the engines running and, and cranking and fixing problems, making sure that the ship didn't stall. Those aren't the people that I placed all of the, at the end of the day, blame on. I feel like the true blame comes in the fact that the people who were in charge to keep everyone safe did not do their job. And then they also oh, yeah. failed in the second coming of not filling those boats up to the to full capacity. I don't care if it's yeah. dipping a little bit in the water. Get people on the boat. Like the, the fact that they were taking oh. bribes and not able to even understand the the simple logic of an iceberg. Like all of that makes it so much harder to even at the end of the day, you want to be upset at these characters and you want to say this is a villain and that's a that's a good guy and all of that. Um, no. The, I blame the captain and his like his actual crew on deck on board who were yep. steering the ship those are the villains of the story to me because we never will know what could have been with Jack and Rose going forward if once they got to you know New York would her family disown her would would she still have to be forced to marry Cal would she still have to be forced to do this that or the other would Jack stay, stick around you know He's someone who survives because he's scrappy, quick-witted, and he's got street smart. He's going to New York City. How do we not know if they have a falling out? He's not going to just continue on, you know, kind of being a wanderer and a rolling stone. Like, we, you, you have no idea, and we'll never get to really know. We can only fantasize. Um, oh, yeah. Because of that iceberg. And, and yeah. The main message is love can't conquer all. Even with Jack is 
immensely in love with Rosa he was, he is a metaphor and, you know, literally for the well-being of her possibly being safe as a sacrifice for the one he loves. So as much as it was a tragedy and love at the same time, it's also a sacrifice for the love to those who you love and how much are you willing to do for them for the concept of love. Because when you're tested in that priority type mode, when love reveals all in the end, that's how we see the movie played out towards the end. Yes, Jack doesn't survive, big spoiler, but Rose is, you know, surviving. Not, you know, we can say that it is for his sacrifice that she's able to live. But also, I, I having her, a reason to fight for living is a, a big factor, too. He just died. I should be living. I shouldn't be in this terrible moment to feel but empty. But he didn't even have that. Real. I know. But that, but that wasn't like, that wasn't, it wasn't like, um, you know, they just ended up on the door. Like that, they, they got yeah. to the top of the ship. They got to the safety boats. And Rose was like, essentially going to be put on to, to a boat. Like I think she was supposed to get on there or had the, like try to force her on there. And she forced her way off to stay, to stay with Jack. So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily just a sacrifice of Jack. I think it's more of an... Yeah. I, th- I do see it more equal. I would say maybe 60-40. Yes, of course, Jack lost his life, but Rose was absolutely willing to die with him. I, like, I, And yeah. I do find that to be the one thing that people may overlook because of the door theme is what we all got to remember. But yeah. she did say, forget living, forget these riches, rags to riches and riches to rags. I want to be with my man and got it was in they went into the yep. water the other day so it wasn't and I think that's why Jack was able to, to continue that notion of I will do whatever it takes to protect the person yeah. that I love and the person I care about and for Rose vice versa but one of them had to make the choice was it going to be her that dies or was it going to be him that dies and also I think for the natural essence of storytelling and just how we are as a society um if we would have saw jack on that door and rose was in the water we would have been like you for real <laughs> you are romantic like we would have people would have naturally been like this isn't as romantic anymore not him letting her die <laughs> like if if you would have switched yeah. rose the romantic feel is immediately cut down I feel naturally for most people if you were to switch well, it, okay. it doesn't it doesn't hold now, the same emotional impact. No, if he was the man and it, he tried to grab her and she let herself go, then that's totally different. Because that's the woman choosing to let go and not have them, you know. But But that's not what happened Jack either. Is the one Well yeah, but Jack is the Jack one didn't let go. Himself go. Yeah, he let himself go. For the benefit he of let Rose. Him stay in, yes, he stayed in the water. But her saying, I'll never, she said, I'll never let go, Jack. I'm saying if you literally just switched your position, don't add anything new, don't take anything away, yeah. just switch your positions, put him on the, on the, on the, um, on the door, her in the yeah. water, 
him being like, I'll never let go, Rose. And people people would not react in the same way. This movie would not have the critical acclaim that it had if that was the yep. ending. Yeah. Absolutely if that was the ending, <laughs> I probably would give it... If that was the ending, I was like, oh, wow. So the stowaway who stuck on the ship, who now learned his lesson, hopefully... Is now the biggest victim? What? Why is he the biggest victim? He should be the one sacrificing himself. Yeah, but that also perpetuates the same mindset that the rich people have when getting on yeah. the boat. To us as a people, exactly. we feel more comfortable with someone who is poor and like we're looking at Jack and we're like, you're a poor dude. She's a rich, young, beautiful woman. Of course you should die. Like if we were to weigh it out, even in public favor, we would rather see Rose alive than Jack. And that that just continues to like repeat that the cycle still exists. We're not just watching it from the film. We also have that internalized inside of us, which is an important thing to think about. Because again, like I said, if you switch it, you're not getting the same. Not yes, me. but the thing is, there is one thing, the trope of the, the woman dying over the man actually have a bigger impact on storytelling and how you tell it but Titanic is not that type of story it's this more traditional type story with the man being sacrificed for the woman mentality because keep in mind this is the beginning of the 19th century so like you know this is where class was really at question and how you should live your life if you have a future, you should live it. You know, that type of finality is really big. And this also is leading up to, you know, World War II. But wiping the bridges of that class struggle. So it being the way it was, you know, it kind of told in its own accord how it's going to be and how it's going to happen. And the people I mean, doing the like, things doing in the beginning. Yeah, but I feel like we're also skipping the Great Depression. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 the fall of World War II, the I struggle think. for all classes, but the well, Great no, Depression. What I'm saying, realization. No, what I'm saying in regards to class is that when the Great Depression yeah. hit and Wall Street fell, the amount of people Everyone. who literally took their lives because they were rich and now no longer has that. For people who were already poor, some people didn't even know the Great Depression was happening because they were so poor, nothing new had changed. They were like, yeah, yeah, we, we still we still have nothing. But the the fiance, um, Cal in the movie, they yeah. they wrap up his storyline by saying he basically um unalized himself he gains over himself once the the fall of wall street happens because he loses his fortune like yeah. it, it just goes on to show that like if you are in a greater position it is very 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 unlikely you will ever trade that out to be in a less fortunate one for someone else and then if it's forcefully taken from you how strong of a person are you to either regrow continue on whatever and I think it was a great showing that you had someone like like um, Jack for Leonardo DiCaprio's first like, character. He was poor, even for his whole life. Had basically literally ran and hid for his life on the ship and was still yeah. willing to give it up for somebody who was in a better position than himself 
um, because he cared about them and he loved them. Well, on the flip side, you have this fiance who had money um, and had the capacity to be a better man and just chose not to be the entire time. Took the took the seat of somebody else who might have died or didn't make it onto the ship. And then at the end of it all, yeah, still, still didn't go on to live his life to the fullest because he didn't get to keep all of his money and riches. Like, life wasn't but worth living to him anymore. I mean, life is what you make of it. This is what I say. What you do in life is up to you. But you have to remember how you go about it, how you approach it, you know, how do you, once you stumble or once you fall down big time, how do you get back up? If are you able to get back up? Are you able to do things that will like you could grow as a person? Do you take that as a sentiment and actually approach life in a different way? Or do you approach life in a similar way as before? You were grateful that it happened, but now you got better. Do you go back to that type of mentality where, well, if it ain't broke, not fix it, why should I fix it when I am the person who is literally living life right now? No, so. I agree. I think for majority of it, life is what you make it. But I think that's yeah. also a more privileged way to think of things. Sometimes life is literally what's handed to you and what's given to you. Um, that's my my basis of it at least like life is what you make it when you have more control or perceived control but just like you know an iceberg in the middle of the freaking ocean you could absolutely think that you have full control and full you know authority and autonomy and then something that's completely out of your your reach your your maintenance all of that can come rocketing through and completely wipe out whatever plan you may have had and that is the nature of the universe so I think there is a great like perceived notion for most of us who are able to live more safe and and contained lives um, that we have the power to decide what happens and what doesn't but I think there's also a good understanding that you know life comes at you fast (laughs) Let's find an iceberg in the middle of the ocean. So what you do after that is up to you. Yeah. Hey, what we do after this is the podcast. We're going to another podcast next week. You know, this is Mm -hmm. what we're choosing what to do right now. And, you know, Titanic is bringing that up. Be happy for who you are. Be happy for what you have. If you can strive for more, strive for it. If you can settle and, you know, have what you need then go for that there is no right or wrong situation but always have an ethical and good character to be in morale you know sometimes following everything may not always be what you need to do you might have to take a risk but also following everything can set you in emotion that can potentially be beneficial. You just don't know how it's going to be beneficial for you. Absolutely. So, as we have closing thoughts, I think we can conclude that Titanic has so many different themes and so many different 
recommendations from people who watch it, it gives a great feeling, self-worth, class system, the ethical background to one's duty to be responsible in life and how you perceive life. So with that, I think that's good. That's a wrap. All right, guys. Don't forget you can watch us new podcast near you. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. We also you can find us on the website at www.ncanimepodcast.com. We update the website and you actually see the episodes in live time. And join us on the Patreon community where you can join us in the multiple tiers to fund us and support us in our creative vision for MC Anime Podcast so we can continue to bring more episodes to you and you guys to enjoy it as the fan, as any one fan should do. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this discussion, which just like just like the iceberg of Titanic, there's it's more than what you saw at the top layer. Uh, exactly. The more you go <laughs> down... The more you go down, the more you get the deeper, dark laps of life and what it offers. Just like the iceberg theory that we did before. See you guys. See ya. Bye.